everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Chocolate MDs, Chocolate with a Side of Medicine. I am Dr. Chris, and I am joined by my lovely co-host. We got Dr. Nono. Hey. Amy Jo, MD. What's up, y'all? And last but not least, <laughs> Dr. Sunshine. Hello. <laughs> so, as always... First, let me get through this, okay, guys? As always, <laughs> we want to say thank you for listening to us, okay? Thank you for your questions and your comments. Without you, we would not be doing this. And um, I will have to say the reason why everyone is laughing is because I'm a little tipsy, but that's okay. <laughs> you didn't We're even have to this. tell them that. I was but I, I wasn't going to tell it. I wasn't even going to tell it. I'm going to tell it because even if I didn't tell it, Dr. Nona was going to throw me under the bus. <laughs> I that's was she does. Yes, she is. But she was. I so I'm going to get ahead of it. And right, and just say it, okay? I'm just gonna get ahead of funny. it. I said that off the record. I want to let you slide with no, it. no, I be no. Laughing at you you were the entire podcast, bro. But, but you weren't, because I know you, because you were gonna slide it in at some point, right? And people are gonna be like, "What happened?" No, so I just let you know from the beginning. No, you're right. Get-go. No, no, would be like, "Yeah, that's why you're tipsy off." Right? Like, Wait, what? <laughs> what? See, see Doctor Sunshine stole it. So you can no, 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 no. Don't try to act like you wouldn't tro- throw me under the bus. That's what you do. It's okay though. You know, after the after the Cardi um after the Cardi um titties incident, then yeah um <laughs> yeah Doctor No No will throw right. me under the bus. I know she would. I know she would. That's why I said I'm gonna get ahead of it. I'm gonna put it out there, right? So, but it's okay though. I'm tipsy, but I'm not drunk. You know what I was gonna say? I was gonna say, hey guys, fun fact: one of the chocolate MDs is a little buzzed right now. You know, maybe, Ah, maybe you'll, maybe you'll figure it out throughout the episode. But then, you know, Chris was like, nah, bro, let's just, nah, we good. So, yeah, that's that's not how I roll. Y'all know that. (laughs) Would Would you like to tell? Would you like to tell the audience what you were sipping on? So yes. I let them know. So I definitely went to this rose wine tasting. Lots of fun. It was fancy, fancy. It was a little fancy, but not really that fancy. And because I was limited on time, I kind of drank fast. So here we are now. (laughs) But I'm sipping on my water. Like a responsible adult. It shows her commitment to you all because she had to get here to you so did, she had to drink I fast. did that I did that to get here to you guys because I feel like this is important <laughs> it's all love right, right and she had to endure the side eyes from like the sommelier that's like oh don't you want to hear about these grapes and she was like nah I got somewhere to be let's be real though I don't remember half of the stuff they told me but maybe two or three of them I felt like were really good do I remember the names of them no I do not but um that's okay you know though what? they're probably like who comes to a wine tasting but is in like a rush and then here you come like all right let's go let's go let's go <laughs> my life i got things to do i got things to do but it was cool though they had a little dj who was playing some cool some tunes and you know it was it was really nice because i feel like everybody has been starved to do something like because mm-hmm. we've been on lockdown for so long so it was really nice to do that um there were some people it wasn't like a whole lot but there were some people but I do have to mention that so when I was going inside I had my mask on before I got inside and this lady outside was like well you're going to take your mask off anyway so you don't really need to have your mask and I was in my mind I'm like why are you shaming me for wearing my mask don't shame me (laughs) 
if I want to wear my mask, let me wear my mask. Don't shoot yep. me, please. Yep. <laughs> Leave me alone. Yes, I know what the CDC says, but I want to wear my mask. Thank you. And don't shoot me. <laughs> I know but I'm also like thinking about it from just like a capitalist making money perspective I mean you're there you're spending money you're drinking why like why are you going to like you know what I mean like right. what what purpose do you have coming over here messing up my vibe like you see me doing me like just let me do me and spend my money and drink my wine like why is this right. necessary exactly and she was outside and she was outside and she made the comment and then we looking at her like we don't need your comment and my friend answered her. My friend answered her. Yeah, I know. And I didn't say anything to her because you know I was gonna because you know I was thinking like, mm, don't don't shame me. Leave, leave me. Let me be with my mask on. Yes, I know I'm gonna take it off inside, but let me have my mask on. Thank you. This is so awesome. <laughs> so awesome. But surprisingly, you guys have a lot of vineyards out there in like yeah. North Carolina, South Carolina, right? Like around yeah, that no area. Idea. Yeah, we do. We do. We do. I, went to I had a no idea. I had no idea. Oh, except yeah. for Dr. Chris over here. Like, oh, I went to another wine tasting. I'm like, where are you tasting wine? Like, so yeah, <laughs> I went to and and then um, so uh, we're probably we ended up deciding that we're going to go to a vineyard tomorrow. But we also made the decision while we were tipsy. So when we're sober, it might be different. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, it was cool. It was cool. So I feel like it's been Aww. a while since I've seen you guys. That's Memorial Day weekend. How was everybody's weekend? Oh my gosh, it was good. And I think that I think that a lot of people now, mind you, I had to make sure that. So I went home to see my family the weekend before Memorial Day, and I couldn't be in Florida. I couldn't be in South <laughs> Chris, your your facial expressions. I couldn't be I couldn't be in South Florida during Memorial Day weekend because that is by far and wide known as the most if if you want to see some wild stuff, like be in Miami on Memorial Day weekend. I'm like, I'm not doing that. So then <laughs> I tried to make I had to make sure that I was listen, listen. So I had to make sure that I was over here back on the West Coast by Memorial Day. So my Memorial Day was very <laughs> chill on purpose because I could have stayed in Florida and I chose not to and I left. <laughs> good choice my memorial day was a chill weekend but i have been on vacation for the week prior to so yes we need some sound effects because this girl right here she don't take vacation she doesn't so, Amy Jo does this not do was, vacations. this was epic and i'm so ago. happy she took vacation because this was long overdue I went on vacation. I may or may not have worked my first day of vacation, <sighs> but she did. that's because I just simply could not get out because you know what happens. Like you tell people like, okay, I'm going to be on vacation and, and everybody suddenly needs something right now. So the week leading up to my vacation clinic was packed. Like, just like, please squeeze me in. Like, you know, I gotta be seen. Like, I don't really think you need to be seen. Like, no, I gotta be seen. Then you get them. They're like, oh, it went away, but I'm glad I got to see you. Like, y'all realize y'all don't have to make an appointment to come see me, right? Like, like I'm here to take care of stuff, but you can just like send a message like, I just want to say hi, you know, anything. But, um, so of course that meant by the time I packed, you know, figured out what I needed to do, do all the steps getting to vacation are quite stressful, right? Hair, nails, wax, um, <laughs> packing. What do you need? What don't you need? Cause you can't be out here in these beach streets, like fuzzy <laughs> pandemic fuzz. You know what I'm saying? Like pandemic fuzz was a whole new fuzz, right? I've never heard of that. Oh what? my God. <laughs> 
Leave it to Amy Jo to just start creating brand new adjectives. No, like, oh but she's God. right, though. She's right, though. I'm going to tell you my story, though. But you're right. You're right. Pandemic fuzz was like next level. So, <laughs> you know, you're trying to get back into the routine. You know, the, you know, you used to have a whole routine. Like the pandemic changed everything. You know, you had standing appointments with all this stuff. And so I had to get all of that stuff done. So I could only do so much of it, which meant that after returning everybody's phone calls, you know, making sure like my box was going to be checked, all this kind of stuff. Like I just had like some more notes to do. So um, when I got there, I was like, yo, y'all, I-, I can't talk until I finish this. But once I closed it, that after that first day, I never opened it again until the Tuesday after Memorial Day. But by the time I got home, I did not feel tired on the way home. But when my feet crossed the threshold, I was man down, like <laughs> slept the whole weekend. Like, oh, like I can't move. So this week was uh, rough. I was coming home and sleeping like the preschoolers after they get out of school for like the first week of school. And they looked like they had a long day. I was like down sleeping, but it was great. But vacation was great. I consumed lots of alcoholic beverages and <laughs> sat on the beach and may or may not have, you know, fallen asleep and woke up with, you know, significant sunburns, but it's fine. <laughs> well, I Jill. Um, you know, fix that. And uh, yeah, it was good. Yes, y'all. Really black people can get sunburned. It does hurt. So mm-hmm. <laughs> plug to wear your sunscreen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I had on sunscreen, but at some point I think I had gotten in the ocean. Yeah. And I come out and you know, I don't know if I ordered sunscreen or drinks, probably drinks, likely. And, you know, <laughs> it got the best of me. And, you know, the sun, the beach was, you know, in the background, the ocean, and the wind was blowing. And, God, listen, heavenly. Oh, my God. Amy Jo shared one vacation photo with the world <laughs> on social media. And I swear the world stopped spinning. I was like, oh, my God. Everybody was like, oh, my God, look at you. Where you at? Da, da, da. Girl, I think I saw 300 comments on that one photo that you posted. I'm like, God damn. The whole world was waiting for this. And you know know what's interesting? She didn't even have that much of a caption on it. She didn't even have a location on it. She just literally just posted the picture. And I'm like, why would she do that? (laughs) Yeah, no location. No location, no nothing. Just like, like, look at me. Come find me. Come find me. Come find me, bro. Look, the lighting was great. You know, I was literally just walk. I, you know, some of the best pictures you take are the ones you're not trying to, right? So when I took that picture, I'm actually waiting for you know um, other people to like take pictures, and and I'm just kind of like walking. I'm like just uh, snap, 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 snap. And as I was going through, I was like, oh my god, look at this light! Like it caught the the beach in the background, and the sand was there, and I was like, look at this! I'm just gonna post it and. You know, I'm not the person that's going to pretend like I'm going to find something clever because I think this picture is cute. I posted it because I was like, yes, let's do it. <laughs> and it doesn't need a caption. Which one we say? Like, you know, I, I hate seeing those pictures. And, and they're beautiful, right? The pictures are always beautiful. But the caption is like, just remember to always find, you know, the the simple things in life because the simple things in life will get you to point A to point B. Be like, yo, just post a picture. You know what I'm saying? We're going to look. <laughs> it's fine. Like, so yeah. I just posted it and it has, um, it has created some interesting It's created havoc for her, her friends. Everybody texted us like, where's she at? Where? Oh, you saw the picture? Like, oh my God, what is happening right now? 
Yes, I have ignored all of the where are you. I, I tend to not just, you know, give up my locations uh, <laughs> for my vacations. Um, okay. I don't. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, the, I mean, my inner circle generally knows where I am and where I've been going, but there are a lot of where you are. I just kind of keep going. So <laughs> on a beach location, beach. That's where I And live. I agree with you because you already know I'm very paranoid at baseline. So I'm just like, you don't need to know where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, the yeah. audience does not know this, but that is literally the epitome of everything Chris. Yeah. Like every time, like if Chris take a day off and people at her job be like, oh, why do you need the day off? She's like, you don't need to know why I need the day off. No, <laughs> well, for real though. No. Like for real, one of the schedules, like I, t- I told her like, okay, I need to like, you know, cut my schedule off. And she's like, oh, so where are you going? And I'm looking at her like, when I said, I'm going away. I'm going someplace. And she was like, oh, she got it. She got it real quick. Then she don't need to ask me no more questions. Like, cause you don't need to know where I'm going. Just do your job. <laughs> cut my schedule so I can go where I need to go. Why you need to know where I'm going? <laughs> Listen, this is the truth. And it's not personal, it's not. people. So it's anybody not. who's been listening to us for a long enough time knows that oh. sometimes she doesn't even tell us. <laughs> We gotta find you through like, and we have to find her. <laughs> I have I have done shady things in the name of finding Dr. Chris. Things that I'm not proud of, but I did them because I thought I needed to save my friend's life, and because I was convinced that I was going to have to save her life, I did things things that should not be repeated. To find this but woman, but you know what? That I did find. But you did. You I, found I, it very quickly, though, and I'm impressed. Uh, I'm the, impressed that you're in. I was your, extremely I'm very impressed. impressed. Very impressed. Listen, I knew what state she was going to be in. I knew why she was there. But you knew I was going. Um, you knew I was going, and I, and I knew I you were going to go and hang out. I talked to you before yeah. I left. So yeah. she knew that. Now, now you would think that this whole situation would make Chris, you know, like be more transparent with us or transparent with nah. people. Nah. Nah, she went right back to doing normal Chris stuff. Like, literally, like, we don't know where Chris is. Chris just be doing Chris. But, <laughs> Wild but at, the end of the day, at the end of the day, she shows up where she needs to be, and we can for appreciate For the most part, that. for the most part, I do. For the most part. Less well, late. Less maybe late. She's going to be late. Late. True. But late, be there. there. True, but She's be there and alive. I'm going to be late, though. Mm-hmm. I'll be late. So, yes, it's been, it, I will agree. It does feel like we've been gone for a long time. Yeah. I, I I was excited to to record today. So I was like, oh, we're going to record. So much has happened. I always love seeing your faces. Yeah, you know. me too. And like for Memorial Day for me, like I, I don't know what was going on in my head. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so starved to do like a barbecue. And I bought all these things and all this food to barbecue. But realized that it was only me. And... <laughs> <laughs> And I bought all this food that I know I'm not going to eat. So, like, girl, I was. Did you invite girl. someone over? Some friends? Something? No, yeah. I didn't do that. I would have gladly came I, down. You should have called Dr. No No. You know, she will hop on a I plane know. and be but there. I, really but you know, I do stuff last minute. Like, I decided, like, when I was at the when I was at the grocery store, that's when I wanted to do that. And inside joke, Dr. Sunshine, I found a box of a charcuterie board. Got oh, so yes, I got so excited, right? She I bought that, ate most of it, and was too full to do the barbecue anyway. <laughs> Done. Done. Chris, Chris oh is so funny. She's like, <laughs> so 
I'm gonna spare y'all the story on this charcuterie board, but the fact that the fact that Chris is so excited about it, and she's like, you know, I feel like I should be like fancier, and I should have like a like a like a board of like the meats. I'm like like a charcuterie board. She's like, yeah, girl, it's fancy. I was like, okay. <laughs> and we went over the pronunciation because just... I couldn't pronounce it, so she broke it down for me so I could pronounce it right. <laughs> So then I was like, Chris, you can do a charcuterie board whenever you want. She's like, yeah, but I never like think about it. Like I never like buy the stuff. I never like prep it. Like I really would just want to like do it and just drink wine and like be fancy. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And then here we are. She by herself killed half a charcuterie board and didn't even barbecue and vibe it on her own. That's fine, Chris. You do you. I mean, that sounds like an amazing Memorial Day. I would have, I would have co-signed with that. (laughs) How was your Memorial Day, Dr. No-No? What did you do? Girls at work. I'm I'm celebrating Memorial Day this entire week, so that's, that's well, that's good. Sucks that you weren't at work. Boo for work, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why you was so that's why you was out and about. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to make up for lost time, as I do every week. I'm off, so yeah. I get that. Before we transition to the trending topics, I do need to clarify one thing because someone reached out to me personally and wanted me to clarify this. Okay, so in past episodes, we've been like throwing some words around. I just want to clarify for all the listening audience. Whenever we say the words like like where we see our patients, so if we say we're seeing you in the office or in a clinic or outpatient, that is all the same thing. Especially when we say the word outpatient, because one of my listener friends was like, what does outpatient mean? Like, you guys keep saying that. So if we say outpatient, this is when that just means that we're seeing the patient out in the world. Like you're making an appointment in an office or in a clinic to come see us. So all those words mean exactly the same thing. If we say the word inpatient, that's what Dr. Nono does. Inpatient is like you are a patient and you are in the hospital. And that's hospital medicine. And I feel like we've been kind of throwing those words around. So sometimes people would be like, what does that mean? So yeah, all those words mean the same thing, except for if we say inpatient, that's in the hospital. That's all. Cool. cool. Thanks for clarifying cool. that. I didn't, I wouldn't even think to clarify that. Well, thank you. <laughs> all right. So our first <laughs> trending topic uh, is probably something that's been going around, you know, for the past week. So I, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Naomi Osaka. Yes. Yeah, of course. So glad you're talking about this. Right. So the story behind that is that she withdrew from the French Open, which is a huge uh, tennis tournament, um, because that she was going to get a fine from the press for not, you know, talking to them after like her her competition and stuff. And the fine was like pretty exorbitant. So, you know, Naomi pretty much said that this was more for her mental health and that she didn't want to address the press after her after her um, meets. So, you know, the the press probably was not, you know, taking to that. So she was just like, you know, the hell with it and withdrew from the French Open. So this kind of, yeah. So this kind of is like a conversation for essentially, I mean, a lot of people are praising Naomi for, you know, protecting her mental health and, you know, making sure that she put herself first. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, it's probably like a really stupid rule. And I, you know, why it even exists, you know, in the game of tennis, like why, why do you even need to talk to the press like after every meet? And why is there even a fine for something that you don't need to do? So, so let's be clear. There, there are media requirements in all sports. Yep. Collegiate, professional, everything. Yep. Now, just another point of clarification. She did not withdraw because they were fining her. So they make it seem like she did not try to get ahead of this. So her, her team, you know, her, whomever, 
uh, approached the French Open prior to it starting to say, this is what I would like to do. They were not down with it. So she said, okay, fine. I will just skip them and I will pay the fine. Mm. She was going to pay the fine anyway. So she was planning to play the tournament and pay the fine. But as the tournament, you know, continues and progresses, it became a bigger and bigger deal of the fact that she was not going to address the press. And so with that, she said, okay, fine. This has become a bigger deal than I want it to be. I'm going to go ahead and withdraw. Because she already paid the first fine. So the fines were not the reason why she withdrew. Oh, she's got plenty of money. She was going to, she was going to pay the fine, but then it can't, it became this, it started to spiral. So then it became, you know, you got people, you, you've got fans, you got people, you know, why does, why does she get to not, you know, why, how does she get to skip out on it? She wasn't skipping. She was doing it. It was a violation. She was going to pay the fine. And then they started to get into, well, we got to talk about the other masters, you know, can she be expelled? You know, with this, you know, per, you know, it, as the as the energy grows on it, it became all these other questions. And so she was like, okay, y'all, this has become way bigger than me protecting my mental health and opting out of media. So I'm going to step out. So why, but why is there even a media requirement for that in all sports? Like, Because that's how people get paid. That's how people make money. You don't remember. Come on, Dr. No, you no. Don't, you don't remember. That's like, how people get paid. Now, mind you, this was also in the press. I'm just here so I don't get fined. Yes, Marshawn remember? Lynch. Marshawn Lynch. Also I'm just here so I don't get fined. So every time they ask for something, I'm just I'm here, just so, here I so, so I don't get fined. Media requirements are up and down. So there are media requirements on the collegiate level, right? So yeah. at the end of those tournaments and you're sad and you're crying, they, you know, they've got two people they want to talk to. They've got to stay dressed. You've got requirements on how you're dressed. You've got requirements on all stuff. Like you still got to go in front of the media, right? Oh. Because the it's the, the, the cable, right? The ESPN wants their coins. And so oh, a part okay. of that for them okay. is that you talk to them. Now, what's interesting is that she said, listen, I have been depressed for years and somebody pulled up a 2018 interview where she, she I think she had lost a tournament and it was so sad. Like she's talking and she's always been a little socially awkward in front of the camera. So this is not new. And I remember in that 2018 interview, she was saying, I am so terribly sad right now. Oh. Like I feel so sad. Oh, yeah. So this isn't someone that is just like, listen, you know, I don't want to play the game. She's actually probably been the most gracious of the the athletes that, you know, kind of come in there and do their thing. Um, but she just was like, I just, I need to focus on, you know, I just need to focus on tennis. We all feel like that about ourselves. Like if only, if I can only just do my job mm-hmm. and not worry about the other things, which is what she was trying to say, but it was becoming like such a big deal that she was like, yo, listen, I'm going to tap out. I mean, I did also see Venus's uh, endorsement or, you know, support for her after, um, you know, she made that announcement. And, you know, I thought that was really, you know, really good of her to, to address that. But, I mean, I, again, I'm not in the sports world. I, I don't really know, but I didn't know, like, who was going to get the coins behind, like, her not agreeing to, you know, speak, you know, after the uh, after her tournament. So that was that was like where I was really confused. I'm like, why why does it matter that she doesn't talk to the press like after every meet that she does? And I didn't know that was part of her contract. So yeah, NBA, NFL, tennis, yep. soccer, yep. football. You think they grab that microphone at the end of every NBA game, NFL game, and all that because they want to? It's like no, the game is over. You need to sit here. You need to talk to these people, especially after a loss. You think they want to do that? No, like these Definitely are requirements. Not. Like. Yeah. Nah, these right. are requirements. And, and I was I was always wondering, like, every time they talk, they always sound like, you know, they, it's like, 
I guess it might have been scripted because I'm like, how do you know what to say? Like, if I, if I lost, I'm like, yo, we lost. Like, <laughs> what happened? I, well, clearly we didn't make enough baskets. That's what happened. <laughs> like, why are you asking me questions that you know what happened? Like, but doctor, but Dr. Right. Chris, how do you feel about how loss? I feel? I feel right. bad because I lost and I don't want to talk to you right now. <laughs> right. Like, how do they over. do that? Like, because in my mind, right. I'm like, I don't want to talk to y'all. And if I won, I'm like, I won. And I'm happy. Right. And I kind of want to, like, <laughs> do me and not really talk to you right now. So, like, I always That's wonder, right. like, how yeah. – I, I figure they give them talking points of what to say. There's some – I'm sure as you get into the professional leagues, there's some training mm-hmm. on, you know, what to say, what not to say. But it's – I think athletes have learned that it's kind of a part of the thing. And so, for the most part, you don't mind it. But – Y'all are ignoring the fact that we've got, especially black athletes in the media, we've got plenty of clips out there of when black athletes could not just, they just were not going, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, Serena, uh, her last major that she lost, she left out of hers. You know, we got the meme of LeBron picking up his little man first. Oh, yeah. so we got that one. We've got Marshawn, you know, saying, I'm just here so I don't get fined. We've got some of the women, you know, we got practice. Practice? We talk about practice, not the game. We talk about practice, not the game. Not the game. <laughs> I think we've seen we've seen oh, the emotional God. breaks of athletes all the time. Yeah. We just expect athletes um, to always have. You know, we we inflate this whole concept that you know athletes or or high functioning people. You know, the part that defines their function is the fact that they can put themselves back together. Even when they're at the break of being broken, they always manage to pull themselves through and still accomplish the goal. It's such bullshit. People need their mental health. And in entertainment and athletics, I think that the world has become really overly comfortable in how much they think they need to know about you, about your thoughts, about what you do about why you do it mm-hmm. and it's toxic and it's fine and some people say no now the Williams sisters are different right you know they had they had a a daddy behind them that had come through a system where he had felt a lot of you know the effects of raw racism right mm-hmm. so they talk about that a lot and so their interaction sometimes with the media has always been like I see you again, my arch nemesis. So I think, you know, when they're out there, they're just like, you're not going to see me sweat. But I'm sure behind the scenes, they're like, why do they keep asking me these stupid questions over and over again? Right. Like, why do you keep asking me that? So, you know, I think um, I, I, I hope that it opens up a conversation. But the majors, the tennis majors are also full of shit because now they're all saying, you know, we, oh, well, we're so concerned, all this kind of stuff. They, she told you that she wasn't going to come. You've got clips of her from 2018, 19, 2021, where she looks like she's just not doing well. And what you were concerned about is getting your money. So when she pulls, when she pulls out and she pulls a Serena and won't come to Indian Wells and then 15 years in the game, you're saying, you know, I just think it's unfair that she keeps canceling us and she needs to come back, you know, just, it's the shadies of shades, but I am team Team Osaka. Yes, Team Osaka. Yeah. And um just, I, I wish her why the best. Why can't they just let people be? Like honestly, like I, because you know, of money, Chris. Money. Because of money. Oh, this is about money. Oh, this is this is not about this is about money. The the people that are counting those checks, do they care that the media gets to learn, 
you know, her inner strategies of how she gets herself ready for game days. They do not. I don't um, care. Um, you're supposed you're supposed to be there in front of the camera wearing your Nike emblem and and doing you are you are supposed to be what you know it's it's all about money and, and everybody so, has a stake in it. If it your 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 clothes like who's who's your who's your shoes by who who whose clothes are you rocking what are you gonna say so you know the TV the TV people the cable wants the ratings right the Nike or Puma or whomever wants the you know, they want make, do you see my symbol? Are you going to go buy that? So everybody's trying to make sure that they all get their coins off of this person. And the higher you go up, the more people need to get their money off of you. And ironically enough, the higher you go up, the more you need to be really like focused on performance, having a clear mind. Are you well rested? And I'm sure they find themselves pulled in so many different directions. Like it's crazy. That is sad. And she's an amazing player. So I, I'm I'm sad to see, you know, kind of see it end like this. But I know she'll be back stronger than ever. And, you know, hopefully they can, the whatever, the powers that be will rethink this media strategy that they're doing. They're not going to doesn't make any that. sense. It, it doesn't make any sense. Like they already get all their endorsements when they're on the court flashing their gear. So that's not... They're already getting like the airtime with that, but you know, to have them sit in like a front of a bunch of reporters for a couple of minutes answering these like stupid questions, y'all probably already know the answers to. No, like, no, no, it's not a point. couple reporters. It's not a couple minutes. It's yes. not a couple reporters. These are literally journalists from all sports outlets worldwide. Like it's this is a whole conference room full of people. Yeah. Dr. No, no, I need you to get your post uh, game ESPN, uh, interviews ESPN up. one, two, three, ESPN Deportes, Univision. It's like Girl, everybody. That's, that's too much. I'm already paying for like three streaming things already. I'm I'm not paying for another one. But you got ESPN though. It's in one of them streams that you're paying for. But you know, you should you should you should look at some of the um post post game interviews on any yeah, level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do it. Like they, I watch basketball, and they do it too. And I be, who is the the coach that I love the most? He's like the shortest. Like he don't say much of anything. They be asking him stuff. And he, Papa, 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 yes, uh, him. He never Papa says yes. anything. Yes, it's like every time they ask him a question, he's just like, "We need to make more baskets." But uh, would you like to we need to make more baskets? <laughs> I love his answers. I'm like, yes. Uh, Bill right. Belichick is like that too. Um, oh, and football, yeah. Like, I, know yeah. Him, yeah. I love his answers. Yeah. He's just like, answer it's, it's real simple. Like, why are you asking me? Like, you could see. And I'm not going to tell and, you what and, my strategy and, is because then the other person can hear what my strategy is. Exactly. Like, they're trying to divulge the entire. Like, why do you want the other person to win the game? Like, I'm keeping this. I secret. love, I love. Well, y'all don't need to project this to the entire world because that's going to, like, Messes up, but you know so. what? I just love his personality because that's that's what I would do. Like, why are you asking me questions? <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, I got one yeah. more, I got one more topic. Not as serious, but um, actually, I probably should have done this one first. Okay, so on my social media outlets, uh, so if you guys are familiar with the show Botched, um, yes. so it's the two plastic surgeons, uh, one of them, Doctor Terry Dubrow, um. Pretty much they're two plastic surgeons that like have a, a lot of people come onto their show and they kind of, you know, go through these different plastic surgery procedures and whatnot. Uh, so he actually recently, you know, was kind of in the outlets for saying that um, a lot of people are getting Brazilian butt lifts, um, which, you know, they it's a whole process. I, I am not a plastic surgeon, so I'm not going to explain it. But he actually said so he is a board certified plastic surgeon. And apparently this is, per his opinion, this is actually one of the most fatal procedures to undergo in the plastic surgery world. 
And I just thought of this because on most of my, you know, I, I watch TikToks when I am not responding to a code at work. Um, but they essentially say, yeah, they essentially, you know, all my TikToks are essentially like just all these women going down to like Mexico or Colombia, um, you know, a lot of the other countries for like what they call a, um, it's kind of like a medical vacay. There's like a special term for it. They essentially go to like other countries to get these procedures done for very cheap. And, you know, there's like a whole process where you book yourself to a hotel, you have a medical assistant that will come in and check on you, like change your bandages and everything. And then once you're all done, you come back to the U.S. with this brand new booty that you paid, you know, for a discount and everything's all fine. 360. Exactly. You know, so. And I'm seeing like I'm also seeing the trend on TikTok that a lot of these younger women are going down to get these procedures done. And I've seen I've seen horror stories of like all these procedures that I've done. I'm you know, I I don't know if it's like the most fatal procedure to undergo, but I I honestly will respect his opinion that it is not a safe any surgical procedure is not 100 percent safe. So I was just curious to know, you know, what you guys thoughts were on that. I still remember, and I don't know who was on inpatient with me when I had this lady, uh, her and four of her girlfriends, her and three, four of them together, went down to, I don't even remember, Mexico, the DR. I can't remember, but they got like a deal, right? So the more people you bring in, you know, the more stuff you can get done, cheaper the price. You stay for like three days and you come for the first day for your eval. Then you have like your surgery the next day. And I think you have to stay for a day or two and then you go home. Yeah. Um, well, she had, but most of them are getting what they call 360. So it, it involves like tummy tuck and lift. They remove back fat. You can get a breast lift and you get butt implants. Mm-hmm. And, um, she got a exotic tropical bacterial infection. Oh. And of course, by the time, and of course, if she was there to see us, her insurance was shady at best. Um, and so now, you know, she's going all these powerful and, you know, we don't know what it is. You don't see it in your country. Right. And so, you know, you got ID on board and, uh, they, you know, finally grew this, whatever it was. And she was going to have to have like, you know, debreeding, you know, of the surgical sites and everything. And it was just going to significantly scar her, like whatever she had done was not going to matter because, you know, she's at county and they are about to you know take this stuff you know down and she was so sad I remember like that she was just like in reflection like man I could have you know I could have stayed where I was and um I don't know what happened to her her other girlfriends or anything like that but I remember thinking like you're so helpless if something goes wrong because you by the time you get back they're not the people the people who did the surgeries are not the people who are taking care of you mm-hmm. and I'm not a surgeon, but I think, you know, surgeons take great pride in their work, Mm -hmm. but it's really hard for another surgeon to come behind a surgeon to do it because there's an art to it. And so, you know, you're trying to make it the best way you can. It was, it was horrible. So after that, I really was like, not a fan. And then literally just not too long ago, I got a call from someone who was like, Hey, I had this work done and I, you know, everybody plays a little simple and I'm sure she got this language from the office that she went to. I got a little pocket here and I talked to the surgeon's office and the surgeon said that, oh, it's fine. Just see if your doctor will just kind of put a 20 gauge in there 
and, and pull off a little bit and it should be fine. I was like, I will not twat 20 gauge nothing. Like you gotta be out of your damn mind. Like I wish I would mm-hmm. stick something in your cheek to pull out. I will not. You have to, you know what? It sounds like you need to get back on the plane and find that person and let them do it. So those are not end up on Instagram. You know, them smooth cheeks that are perfect yeah. are fine, but them dimply cheeks, them cheeks that gotta have fat removed, <laughs> you know, the scar down, you know, uh the 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 breast lips look like you got bullet wounds, those little smiley face underneath there. Yeah. All that stuff is not yeah. making is not making, you know, Instagram. You lay down, like you go, you know what I'm saying? You done pay for this body. And you get ready to show it off. They're going to be like, what's these puncture wounds you got all over here? Like those side effects are happening too. And people do not know. So people, and also I don't think people understand that you still need to follow up with your surgeon after they do the initial surgery. So you kind of, you going down for like a one and done type of thing, you know, and you coming back to the U.S., you know, in addition to you getting you set up with a primary care doctor, you also need a referral to a uh, plastic surgeon no. within the they're not no, do that's that not how they do it. They have their they have their follow right. before they leave. They don't tell them that they don't tell them to go back and, and follow no. with the surgeon. So are they, that's not the thing. No, no, they're you're done. done. You're done. No, you're done. You're done. You Once you have your surgery, when you come back day, you know, post op mm-hmm. day two or day three, you however they set it up and you have that, and they say you're done. You should be fine. Your your wounds will heal. They do not tell these people to go and find a surgeon. First of all, you can fly if you want to back to the States talking about some I'm gonna can I have a follow appointment with this plastic surgeon so you can check to make sure the work I got cheaply done in another country is fine. They're not going to no. do that. They always, they end up in primary care offices because the surgeon in the U.S. didn't do it. And so then they come back to see you and sometimes they got fevers. Sometimes they're still oozing. Sometimes like the wounds aren't healing well. And they're like, okay, so what should I do now? And it's frustrating because it isn't like you can say, hey, why don't you fly real quick back to the DR and ask the surgeon that did it. You're often stuck in the outpatient setting trying to figure out, okay, what exactly should we do about this? Yeah. Yeah. So, so if you get into trouble, you're only gonna be seen for ID or debriefing. Yeah, exactly. And and so, that's the problem. Uh, that's the problem. Cause like that's the thing that people have to understand. When you decide to do this cheaply, you gotta assume the risk and the consequence that can happen, right? Cause I mean, maybe you'll go right, but maybe it won't. And the problem is when you get back into the safe, no, like like Amy Joe said. No other surgeon is gonna want to go behind another surgeon. They don't want to do that. I always, I literally always thought that they would schedule like no, a follow up for a couple no. months out you after paid, they did the initial no. surgery. You paid and a, a certain amount for this time to have this done. You do the post op period. They come out. back. Yeah. Wow, that you is not how we do it here. And that's why. And that's <laughs> why it's cheaper. Yeah. You and get it, you get it done. It, it's supposed to be ambulatory surgery and they and yeah. they keep going and you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Like I remember I had a lady in my office, she was cutting up. Now overall she's trying to be okay, but she got she had some work done someplace else. She is in the office cutting up because she's like, I need to see a doctor right now, cause blah blah blah. She thought like her wounds were like coming apart, and I was just like, Yes, first of all, please don't yell in this office. Like you know, let's not let's not do that. Um, but I'm just like, why are you up there yelling? Like, where is that same bravery you had when we was doing this, you know, this pre-op evaluation? I told you, do not go. Like, I tell you all the time, like, don't go. I'm laughing. So, don't do it. I'm laughing. So, I'm laughing at Amy Joe because she always want to start off with something. Here's what we're not gonna do. 
<laughs> we're not gonna do we're that. Not gonna, yeah. She always starts off like, "Here's what we're not gonna do." <laughs> Yo, that's so on the list of Doctor Amy Joe phrases. Yes, that's what that's that's how you are patient off. of Amy Joe. Yes. Here's what we're not gonna do. <laughs> right. Before I tell you what we're gonna do. I- so well, if like, we're gonna do a lot of things, but here's the one. Here's what we're not gonna do. We're gonna do a lot of things, but here's what we're not gonna do. So my understanding is, so just so that we're all on the same page. So if you go down to like the DR, Columbia, wherever you go to get your your work done, and you come back to the U.S., if you get a complication in the U.S., there's no surgeon that's gonna come behind and revise that complication. Nope. You're just gonna get treated for what you got. The implants got to come out. They got to come out, and that's the end of it. You might find a surgeon when you when you go see it. a surgeon in the U.S. Then they're gonna most of the time if you got to go see another surgeon in the U.S. You you, you having real complications. Right. So there's there may have to be work right. done. But what I don't want people to think is that you're gonna come back to the U.S. and a surgeon here is gonna touch up your no, other surgeon's no. work. Oh no, 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 it's no. not like that. It's gonna be. No, so I, I, I said that the wrong way. So if you do go down to like the DR and come back, and I thought essentially that you would get. Five Follow up with someone else in the no, house. No, no, I am now, I'm now no, aware. No, when you come back, you're mm-hmm. done. That there's no more, they've given you no more instructions except for keep your wounds clean and dry, everything looks good. You know, they may have given you some basic things, but they did not tell you to come back and see Dr. Such and Such because they will take it from there. No, they right. probably told First you of to all, follow think up with your that. PCP. They, <laughs> I mean, think about that. So I'm a plastic surgeon here, right? I charge um, uh, three times the amount to do the work that you got done there. And so you said, okay, I'm going to go over there and get it done. Do you really think you about to fly back here and make an appointment so I can check the seat, check on somebody else's work that you had done cheaply? That doesn't even make sense when you think about it. Nah. Like, why would I do that? Now, you know what's interesting is that I feel like if you guys ever know, like, a plastic surgeon, like, you know, personally, plastic surgery, to go into that field, they have lots of training. They train for years to do plastic surgery Mm -hmm. because it encompasses a lot more than just breast and bazillion butt lifts. They have to do burn and skin grafting and they, you know, even reconstruction of ears and lips and, like, for people who've been, like, disabled and, like, they have a whole long training for this. And to do a Brazilian butt lift, they have to do fat graft, fat grafting and skin grafting and all these things that if you haven't done them consistently enough times to be board certified, and if you do it wrong, they have like monumental, like life altering negatives that can come from that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you're trying to do it the cheap way and you go to another country and get it done by someone that's not board certified, like that's the, I agree with Chris, that's the risk you're taking because the way that we're trained here in the US to do these things, yeah, it's going to cost you a grip, but it costs you a grip because you have someone who has done it enough times mm-hmm who can say like, hey, I did this enough and I've gotten board certified to the point where like, I'm your least risky option, but I'm also an expensive option. Right. And so, then if there's a complication that does arise, they they can handle it. See? Right. And and that's, right. and that's what you pay for, right? So like right. when you try to go, and that's why I, I any patient that wants to do these things, because you know, people want to do these things because they want to look a certain way. And you know, I'm like, hey, I'm always about, whatever makes you happy. But I always tell my patients, please make sure you have a surgeon that is board certified. Don't go to yep. these other people and then you don't know what kind of surgeon you got. Because these people out the country, they say that, yeah, I could do it. You don't know where they got trained. You don't know what they're doing. They, they just like, oh, well, we do this. Uh, I got paid. It happens, whatever. They're not going to see you again. They don't care. They got your money. 
yeah, this isn't to like, you know, poop on like the the board certification in other countries. Like, you know, like with other countries, our board certification requirements are a lot different. So, you know, we can't we can't vouch for these other surgeons from like other countries outside the US because we don't know what their requirements are to be board certified in their craft. Right. But I also want to say I'm not and, saying and, that these surgeons out of the country are not good. I'm not right. Most people that. come back and they do just right. fine, right? And that's the problem because they'd be like, my girlfriend's went and it's fine. But the people who come back with problems tend to have problems. Yeah. So it's one of those things you come back and you love it or you come back. And if there's going to be some re- regrettable moments, those are hard to undo. You get an infection in one of those implants or, you know, one of the body cavities that they, t- they remove tissue from. You know, an infection that spreads in that tissue could mean significant scarring. Now, I'm sure they I'm sure they told you all that and everybody's listening. But, you know, I feel like that's how they get them in there, too. Right. Girlfriend's trip three sixty. So you're all in there together. You're all sitting there. You're so hyped that, you know, the surgeon comes in. He explains all the risk and everything. But, you know, y'all like, uh huh. Yeah, I hit that risk, girl. But, ooh, listen, I, when I get back, my TikTok and my Megan knees going to show this off. They can't even hear you. They're like, yes, do it. I'll do it. I'll take it. Right. Um. And so then you get it done and, and you're out and mistakes happen. Yeah. And, and it's not like you couldn't get an infection, even if you had a board certified surgeon in the U.S. You get an you infection here. Do. Right. And that's just a risk of surgery. Just any surgery that you take, there's going to be risk that's going to be associated with it. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, you just pray that you won't be in that in that area, like, you know, that number that would have the risk. But it happens. Right. But it's just like when it does happen. You know, if you have someone who's board certified in the U.S., you can go back to your surgeon. Whereas if you went out of the country, you probably don't have the luxury to go back to that surgeon and be like, hey, what's going on? Right. It's it's going to be a harder process for you. Right. So just a moral of the story. Just reconsider. <laughs> reconsider that DDL. I mean, do your research. Um, research. Don't, don't do it. I know it's Every time on a subject. Every time I'm on my Peloton. Y'all know this my I'm sorry. That's my last point. Every time I'm on my Peloton, y'all, we got a hashtag. It's like a little caveat. So, you know, I mean, working out is a good way to kind of get that BBL, the BBL effects without going through the life altering surgery. Okay, so. too long, Dr. No No. Yeah, and somebody lied because you know I'm looking at these booties and they tell myself I just did squat. That's not true. A lot of it for them cheeks. Listen, a lot of it is genetics. Okay, and you could do squats all day. I don't believe some of the like because I know that there's I'm not gonna get the booty I want no matter how many squats I do. (laughs) Okay, because I just don't have the genetics for it. But that's okay though. But I'm okay with doing the illusion of the booty. Okay, with that. Love, love the skin you're in is the more of the story. I mean, All right, top little, today. little booties matter. Yes, matter. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that you said that. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy with mine. I'm happy. Little booties, so whatever, because you have a booty. Little booties matter. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you for those wonderful training topics, No No. They were awesome. You know, you get five stars this those week. Those are good. Those are really, really good. You know, No No yeah. always says we give her a hard time for her topics. They were dope. Um, yeah. So for our health topic this week, we're going to talk about herpes. We're going to talk about herpes. Why are you so excited? And even, <laughs> I am so excited. I wish I could see your face, man. Do you know why I'm excited? Right. I am so excited because herpes is the thing that patients 
love to talk about and hate to talk about at the exact same time. Mm. Because I feel like patients have so many questions about herpes and they're so anxious about it and they they want to ask you so many things, but at the same time, they really wish that they were not having the conversation. It is so interesting <laughs> to me, yeah. the dynamic. They're like, Doc, I hate to be talking about this, but I think it might be an issue and I have so many questions, so just just lay it on me. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, you're not dying. You're not dying. I mean, it's cool or whatever. So I think it's valuable to talk about for multiple reasons. Number one, everything that I already just said. And number two, things are opening up. People are going out and about. Y'all are trying to date out here. You know, there's a lot that could be hiding behind that mask when people take that. Chris and Amy Joe, right now, they are doing <laughs> If we ever do a live show, this is going to be so wild, ever, ever. Anyway, but, um, you know, there's a lot that could be hiding behind this mask, you know, so I think it's really pertinent that we talk about herpes and we're going to talk about herpes type one and type two, and I'm going to get the ball rolling. So first things first, I just want to talk big picture about herpes virus. So just so you guys know, herpes virus, this is a very big category of viruses. There's actually about eight different types. But for the sake of this conversation in particular, we're just going to talk about type one, which is oral herpes, and type two, which is genital herpes. Herpes is a special type of virus because the interesting thing about herpes is that when you do get infected with herpes, it's so special to the point where it goes into your memory cells. Like you have like these memory nerve cells. I'm, I'm saying that just to keep it simple. And because it hits these memory nerve cells, even after you have a primary infection of herpes, this can recur and it can come back in flares over and over again, which is why when people feel like they have it, they're like, oh, my God, I have the herpes. It's coming in. Like, how did I get this? Why is it coming back so often? I don't want people to know that I have it. How do I suppress it? How do I make it go away? Can it go away? All the questions come out. Right. So I think it's important for us to really just talk about herpes just in general. So some quick facts for you guys. So if we're talking about herpes type one. About 66% of the worldwide population is a carrier for herpes type 1. So it's really, really common. This is like 3.7 billion people worldwide have herpes type 1 or they're a carrier for it. So it's really, really common. Herpes type 1, again, is the oral herpes. Now, if we're talking about the United States, about 48% of people have herpes type 1 and about 12% of people have herpes type 2. These are people that have been diagnosed, data we've gathered, you know, at doctor's offices. This doesn't count for the people who like out here living their life and don't go to the doctor. So these numbers might be much higher. <laughs> okay, cool. Let's talk about how we get herpes. So first things first, I want to give you guys a little background because we're going to talk about skin or we're going to talk about something called mucosa. Okay, so mucosa or mucosa. It's a fancy word that we use. You might've heard it a lot during COVID, but basically if there's any part of the body, I like to call it the areas that are sensitive and can get uh, wet or moist just to bother Dr. Nono by using the word moist. Oh, I can't so, stand you. Oh my God. I, I know. So mucosa is anywhere on the body that's sensitive and can get really, really lubricated. So mucosa is basically... Basically, like for example, if we're just thinking about your lips, there's a portion there where your lips meet the skin and where those two meet, you know, you know where your skin cuts off and where the lip begins. Your lips are mucosa and so is your whole oral cavity. Everything in your mouth, that's mucosa. Everything inside your nose, again, mucosa. The inside of your eyelids, the vagina, anything that's sensitive and wet and can get moist, that's mucosa. The reason why this is really important is because 
this area has such a rich blood supply. And if you get an infection in any of these areas, it travels super fast. This is why during COVID, they're like, you got to wash your hands. Don't put your hands on your face. Don't pick your nose. Don't put your hands in your mouth. Because if you expose a virus or anything here, it travels quick. And to be honest with y'all, the same thing happens for herpes. So <laughs> it's like the exact same because herpes is also a virus. So if you're thinking about the ways that you get herpes and the ways that it is transmitted, it's transmitted by number one, if you come in contact with someone who has a herpes lesion, wherever it may be. Number two, if you're exposed to secretions that come from that same area that is actively infected, or if you are exposed to anything on someone's skin that also has been, you know, touched by herpes. So it's important to know this because that means that even if you have oral herpes, and mind you, I'm talking about, I'm going to be talking about oral and genital interchangeably because the way that they're transmitted and things is very similar. There are some things that are specific to herpes type two, and I'll get to that in a second. But for the sake of transmission, it can be oral to oral, oral to genital, or genital to genital. That's how these things are transmitted across the board. And you guys really, really need to know that. There's definitely one thing that I really want to point out to you guys, and it's that we'll say for the sake of oral herpes, like, for example, what I just told you guys, if you see that someone, let's just talk about what these lesions look like. So that's really important, right? If you have a herpes lesion, typically what it looks like, it kind of looks like a cluster of these really small pimples and vesicles. So it's like a cluster of them in one area. It's red, it's tender, and you're like, ah, what's that? It's probably herpes. <laughs> More it's than likely. Cold sore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like cold sore. If it happens around your mouth, we call it a cold sore. But it's across the board, it's uncomfortable. It's painful. It's tender. It's red. It's a bunch of little pimples all clustered together. That is like typical textbook. This is herpes. Now, since we know what herpes and everything looks like, you know, there are some things that I want to let you guys know. The rate of transmission for herpes is like drastically increased if you happen to be intimate with someone who has an active lesion. So let's talk about that for a second. Basically what that means is if somebody has herpes and they don't have an active lesion at all, they can still give you herpes. It's just that the chances that they're gonna transmit it is really, really low because they don't have an active infection right now, which means the viral load is lower. But if you are being intimate with someone and they have an active lesion on their lip, on their vagina, on their penis, anywhere that you can see an active lesion, that means that their viral load at that time is really, really high. So your chances of getting herpes and while being intimate with them has just drastically increased. Like it's ramped up. So you can take that risk if you want to, but this is like danger, danger, do not partake. <laughs> Does that make sense? Right. I'm going to stop right here in case anybody has anything that they would like to say up until this point. Yeah, I agree. Any thoughts? I agree because I, <laughs> I always tell my patients, like, you know, just because you, you like with the active lesion, it's a lot higher and to get to get herpes. And actually, the rate to get herpes is higher than to get HIV, which is kind of crazy, but it is. Yep. Right. But even if you don't have an active lesion, you could still pass it on because it's still the virus still can shed. Right. But you just don't know. Right. Because the virus kind of once you have it, it's there. It doesn't go away. Mm hmm. I think I'm, I'm happy we're talking about this because people are so confused about what herpes mm -hmm. is, what it isn't and all these things. Um, I just recently had to tell someone that their cold source was herpes and they were mortified. Like, 
what do you mean I have herpes? I don't have herpes. I just get cold sores. They only pop up a couple times a year. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. That's 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 exactly what that is. <laughs> that's how herpes works. That's how it works. Um, <laughs> and because they because we kind of use it interchangeably, um, Doctor Sunshine is is giving you a solid point. Like if you have a lesion on your mouth. Or on your genital area. And I get that maybe it doesn't itch anymore. Maybe it doesn't hurt anymore. Please don't kiss someone else. Don't drink after them. Don't let them drink after you. Like, I, I'm not telling you to go through a whole explanation on why. But just tell them, like, listen, yo, don't drink that. You can just say, I've been sick recently. And I just don't want you to get sick. Let's not do that. If somebody walks up and they get ready to plant some sugar on your lips. And you know, like, you've got a tingle that's happening. And you're concerned that in a couple days you're going to have a big fever blister that's another term fever blister cold sore herpes whatever yeah. um please it's herpes don't kiss that person mm-hmm. don't let them touch you don't kiss them on their cheek don't kiss babies how many babies do we have out there that have cold sores before they turn two because somebody kissed them on their cheeks or their lips or their hands y'all don't do it yeah just be yep. responsible because i mean would you want that done to you I was just talking to another one of our friends, Dr. Uh, Thomas Smith, about this. <laughs> Yo, yeah. And she was talking about how she, you know, has to counsel patients that when they have these babies to not let other, like, not let adults, you know, be, like, really kissing your baby because that's what happens, you know? And then you have these babies that are exposed to herpes because, you know, people have active lesions or, like, it's, yeah, it's crazy. It's wild. Herpes, herpes herpes is the one thing where it just even inside and outside of my profession like when people start talking about you know what got a tingle like i get real focused like let me make sure that we are not exchanging <laughs> anything you know i'm a former athlete so you know some people have like you know herpes like as a student athlete i remember like i never used the towels like i didn't want to end up like wiping my face on the on the towel that you know you always have like towels sitting around the gym because you're sweating and you're running i'd be like no 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 towel you throw it at me i mess around and won't catch it like if somebody <laughs> practice has a cold sore and um and you throw me this towel and I and I don't know and we're into practice like I was I mean you no disrespect but I'm gonna let that towel hit the floor because I don't want to touch so, that towel like I said I have always been paranoid about I never want to have people source. thinking that you can't catch <laughs> right. I, can't catch, I ain't see it they like they probably talk bad about you like she don't ever catch a towel she, she can't nothing. catch nothing no, <laughs> Now, listen, Amy Jo MD is on to something because the very next thing I was about to talk about, we're going to talk about at-risk populations. And one of the at-risk populations for herpes is athletes. They're athletes in contact sports. Mm. This includes wrestling, rugby, basketball, any athletes in contact sports, you are at a higher risk for herpes because you're around people, you're sharing gear. <laughs> Amy Jo and her and her like body, she's like over here doing the dance. I can't. I can't. Anyway. Oh. Anyway. Okay. But athletes are definitely on the list of at-risk populations. In addition, babies, which we just talked about, because babies are helpless. So they can only expose themselves to what their parents put them through. And their parents let people kiss on them with these active herpes lesions and women who have active herpes flares, genital herpes, when they are giving a vaginal birth also Mm -hmm. affects the baby because you are not allowed, not saying you're not allowed, but in theory, if you have an active genital herpes lesion while you are giving a vaginal birth to a baby, that is horrible for the baby. 
So we can touch back on that and I can circle back to that if you guys would like. But they're on the at-risk populations as well as healthcare workers. And also, of course, sexually active people in general, especially adolescents, they're in high risk because they just don't know. Most of the time, once you hit your late 20s and 30s, you'd be like, hey, what's that on your on your lip? Oh, I cut myself shaving. Did you though? Like, mm, yeah, nah, we're good. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> no, I'm good. Now, in terms of facts that you guys need to know, in terms of like, you know, how long it takes for this stuff to, you know, pop up and occur, things like that. So if you are someone who does not have herpes and you think that you've been exposed, so basically herpes will present itself anywhere from two to 12 days after your exposure. And the way that it presents itself, you're going to end up with either an oral lesion or a genital lesion somewhere. And then you're also going to have inflammation of the surrounding lymph nodes. So lymph nodes are basically these little small, like, for example, if we're talking about oral herpes, for example, and you think you've been exposed, it's going to be two to 12 days after your exposure, you're going to end up getting like this sore somewhere on your lips, typically where the skin of your lip meets the skin of your body. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you're going to get, you know, inflammation of your lymph nodes of like your chin, your neck, this whole area here. So quick for people who may not know what lymph nodes are, if you guys want to Google it, it's spelled L-Y-M-P-H, lymph nodes. The lymph nodes are kind of like the traffic highway of your immune system. So whenever something is irritating your body and your body's like, hey, bro, listen, we don't like this, it basically has a way of sending a signal to all of the areas around the problem area. And it's like, hey, we're going to get a little swollen. We're going to get tender. It kind of feels like little marbles that are like, you know, getting really like tender around the area of concern. Those are your lymph nodes. People experience this when they have like, you know, sore throat, things like that, ear infections, lymph nodes get big. Long story short, if you have a new primary infection of herpes, if it's oral herpes, you're going to get the lesion on the lips. Your lymph nodes are going to be, you know, going crazy. And you might even have a sore throat, fever or a headache. The same thing's going to happen in your genitals. If you got a new thing on your penis, you don't know what the hell that is. All of a sudden, your lymph nodes that are right in the, you know, right in that crease <laughs> between your pelvis and your thigh, those lymph nodes are going to get big. You're going to start feeling tender little marbles like what the hell's going on? Yep, you might have herpes. Here is one of those times when we're talking about recurrence. Now, this is one of the differences between herpes type 1 and herpes type 2. So the recurrence rate of herpes type 1, usually about 20 to 40% of people have a recurrence of herpes type 1. As in, you get it, and 20 to 40% of those people will continue to have this problem. It'll flare a few times a year. It might even flare monthly. But 20 to 40% of those people will be like, man, this is annoying. I can't get rid of this. Now, if we're talking about herpes type 2, genital herpes, the recurrence rate is so much higher. It's 89% recurrence rate of herpes mm. type 2. So if you have genital herpes, this thing is coming back, and it's coming back often. And just so you know, for both types of herpes, that first year that you were infected is when you are likely to have the most flares that you will ever have in your lifetime. So if you got that thing summer of this year, between summer of this year and summer of next year, you're going to be flaring a lot. <laughs> and it will be probably the, the most flaring you will have in your lifetime. But across the board, herpes type 2, you will flare 89%, which is much higher than herpes type 1. Given this fact, there are certain things that trigger these flares to happen. So whether it's herpes type 1 or 2, the triggers, I'm going to list them for you here. Number one trigger, which we all know about this, stress, sleep deprivation, yep. all that, which is basically like COVID for everybody. Everybody's stressed during COVID. They're coming into the office, herpes everywhere. Everybody's flaring. They're like, oh, I haven't had a herpes flare in so long during COVID. Boom. Herpes. All of, I don't know if y'all saw that in the office. In the office, I see herpes all yes. the time. I've given out so much Valtrex. I'm like... 
You get some Valtrex. You get some Valtrex. Everybody gets some Valtrex. Everybody gets some, you know? Left and right. I don't know. Same thing for you, Chris? Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, I get them. Now, maybe not that much. I get the messages like, uh, I got an outbreak. Here you go. Send it. I don't need yeah, to. Right. I, I just got the COVID. I didn't get herpes. Right. So. <laughs> I know. By the time they, they see you, they're like, forget my herpes. Herpes is the least of their problems. Problem. Yeah, that's some bigger yeah. they see you. They're like, I'm dying from COVID. Help me, please. Thanks. So, stress. Take care of that. Take care of that. <laughs> She'll probably, she probably be like, uh, go, sit, go see a PCP, okay? Right. You're not going to die from that. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? This reminds me. Remember, oh, I'm going to tell it anyway. Remember this, and I'll I tell it, it was the sweetest patient. Um, they were in the hospital. She was immune compromised. She was, you know, and she had what what I thought was a cold sore. So in our in our clinic, we had a couple of doctors that were really good with skin. And since we have been in the in the system since we were medical students, like you got pimped for all kind of skin stuff. Like you've been in the hallway minding your own business as a medical student. You know, when you're a medical student, you're always terrified that somebody's going to ask you something because you're certain that you don't know the answer. Um, so, you know, you be sitting there and all of a sudden here comes Dr. Daniels like, come on in here, chast. You can look at this skin. You'd be like, oh, no, no, Jesus, don't do this. So over the years, you get comfortable with skin, even though to this day, skin is like, just, uh, I work very hard at it. But this lady had this cold sore and I was like, she, she has herpes. And so. What bothered me about it, I wasn't going to say anything. I'm like, Dr. No, no, in the hospital setting, there's bigger fish to fry. But <laughs> it was it was a really sad moment for them because they were saying goodbye to this woman, essentially. And so she had all this family coming in. And I noticed every time I come in, they have a whole crew of family. They were great. But everybody would be like hugging and kissing her goodbye and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, man, ain't nobody going to tell y'all that she got her. No, so we're no, just going to no, keep letting no. them kiss people. And so I remember asking my attendant, like, so we going to just let her keep kissing people she got herpes and we going to tell her. <laughs> and he was like, nah, I don't think it's herpes. And I'm like, okay, fine. Let me let me swab it then. What what is it gonna hurt? We're in an academic institution. Let me swap. And sure enough, she had herpes, which I thought it was. And I thought, how many people have kissed this woman goodbye? And she's like, I'm gonna be with you forever. Oh my gosh. Oh, she is. Yeah. She's like, you will always get my thing. DNA. Yeah, literal. Well, they no, so, so, Listen, so you oh know, no, no, it could be out here in these streets treating herpes because depending on the situation, you're like, I need to get you to recover quickly. They're always going to remember <laughs> I mean, her, if, though. It's like, yeah, I mean, for immunocompromised folks, so, you know, it's it's scary when you get herpes also with uh, co-infection with HIV mm. um, because actually that can increase the sites that your herpes can spread to. So you could not only get genital herpes, but like Dr. Sunshine said, it can spread to the other areas of mucosa throughout your body, and that can recreate a really, really widespread uh, systemic infection, um, which we we do see in the hospital, uh, not not as often, but it does come in every once in a while, and that is, that is something that you know we take very seriously. So, one of the other things I wanted to say in terms of like herpes and what triggers it, because I didn't get to touch on it too much. So, apparently, for some people, exposure to sunlight can trigger it, but the thing that's most important that you guys really need to know is that if you have any infections, getting an infection will trigger your herpes. So people who are like, oh, man, I caught a cold and all of a sudden my cold sore started acting up, that'll trigger it. 
Now, the reason why, to be to be real with y'all, keeping it a buck, because, you know, I keep it real with all my patients. The reason why genital herpes recurs more than oral herpes is especially for women. There's a lot happening in the pelvis and a lot happening in the vagina. So for a lot of my patients, whenever they get a yeast infection, then their genital herpes will come back. You get a UTI, your genital herpes will come back. You get BV, you get gonorrhea, you get chlamydia. Any infection in the pelvis period is going to trigger your genital herpes, which is likely why it, it recurs so much more than oral herpes. And mind you, this is in addition to the other triggers, which could just be stress, lack of sleep, yada, yada, yada. But anytime you have an infection in that surrounding area, that's going to trigger your herpes. So it's really annoying. Yeah. And I think it's important that people understand, like we like we said, herpes is something you get and it never goes away. But your immune system is pretty good at keeping it in check. So it's just like, we know you're here. Uh, We keep you walled off here. And we're good, right? <laughs> and it keeps you walled off, right? And then something goes wrong and, you know, there's a little, the door opens. And the herpes is like, okay, <laughs> we out here, right? And so that's Dr. Sunshine is not talk, is not playing games though, right? That first year, your, your first herpes outbreak can be mm-hmm. significant and and not and not just for you know dr Nolo's talking about immune compromised people even if you got a full functioning immune system i have seen first time outbreaks that were amazing like impressive like oh this is impressive but hold on let me go grab some longer gloves because i am scared to touch the inner your complete inner thigh because it is happening yep. like i've seen women with a first time outbreak and it literally covered her mom's pubis, oh. the the front of her vagina. For people who don't know, so the little soft pad, your little your little you know your little fat pad, and it came across her her entire vagina, and moved up her up her cheeks and down her thighs. It was the first time she'd ever had it, and it was just covered in these vesicular lesions. And I thought, and she was tender; she could barely walk. Uh, she was young, so she was scared. And of course, it's how she ended up seeing someone like me. And you're like, okay, yeah. let's talk. <laughs> this is what it is. This is what you can do about it. This is what you cannot do about it. And um, if you do not have access to a physician, a primary care doctor, then as much as I want to help you keep your secret, you're going to have to find a resource to get you access to a doctor. Like, cause I, I saw it in the emergency room at that time. Um, and so those first time outbreaks can be quite severe and, and it's embarrassing for people, right? Like it messes with your confidence. Um, it's a hard conversation to have. I'll talk to people who are older, who are now meeting people and you're trying to figure out, Oh, Hey, how do I tell them that I got this herpes? Do I tell them now? Do I tell them six months in? I don't yeah, wish that on it's anybody. It's a traumatic experience, right? Cause it's, it's really hard. Cause you feel as though, you know, you got to tell this person and there are people who have herpes and don't necessarily have outbreaks and don't really know. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that, that is true. Um, but just kind of, I think we we're kind of doing that segue with Amy Jo MD. Um, so there are, there are a couple of conditions where herpes can actually put you in the hospital and that you would need to come see me essentially and an infectious disease doctor. Uh, so herpes, HSV1, uh, so that virus that can cause uh, herpes, what we call herpes encephalitis. Uh, so this is, encephalitis is where your brain gets inflamed and it can cause like changes in like your uh, thinking and, you know, your per- the person that has it can seem really off 
to you. And they're, you know, they're just not making a whole lot of sense. So this is essentially a condition where you would need to come into the hospital to get treated with the IV uh, medications. I know Amy Jo uh, mentioned Valtrex, but there's a certain formulation of uh, medications that we use to treat. Essentially, when herpes gets into your brainstem and causes inflammation of the brain, that is not good. And also, if you do have a herpes outbreak and it does involve your eye, it can actually lead to blindness if it's not taken care of right away. So if you do have like an outbreak in that area and it does involve your vision, then you need to see a doctor like yesterday because that is that is something very serious in the hospital. Dr. Nono hit on a whole segment that I don't even have to hit on because I was literally going to talk about encephalitis, which is the brain, meningitis, which is basically the membrane that lines the brain. And also something called Bell's palsy, which can kind of present similar to a stroke. Mm -hmm. These are three very severe things that can happen if, you know, your herpes infection makes its way to the brainstem. Mm -hmm. So those are severe cases, but they can also happen. Point is, if anything's going on, it looks like a stroke, someone's altered, they're not really acting correctly or anything like that, take them to the hospital and hopefully they see someone dope like Dr. Nono who can consider herpes as a possible reason why this is happening. Oh, now... The last thing that I wanted to touch on, these last two things are basically how we diagnose it and how we treat it. So basically, if you have something like for the most part, for most doctors, if you come in, same way Amy Jo just said, if you come into the office and it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, all those things, it's likely a duck. And to be honest with you, sometimes I don't even got to swab it. I'm like, hey, yo, I'm looking at this It's herpes like this is herpes, bro. Or sometimes if you guys take a picture of it and you're like, hey, doc, it was here, but then it went away. But here's the picture. I'm like, oh, that's herpes. Sometimes we just make the diagnosis like that. But if you come into the office and you have an active lesion, then we can just swab it. And when we swab it, this is basically a viral culture, or we can even do a PCR. Either one of those swabs is pretty much the gold standard. The PCR is actually the new gold standard, to be honest with you, more so than the viral culture. Point is, it's a swab. There are blood tests that we can do for herpes, but I'm going to be honest with you, the blood tests are not as accurate, and they can be really difficult to interpret sometimes. Especially if you guys really want to know, is it herpes type 1 or type 2 or an active antibody or an old one or new one? So the serology and the blood tests get really dicey, so I really wouldn't recommend it. Usually, if you have an active lesion, go see your doctor. They'll swab it, give you the answers, done deal. Bet. Is there anybody here that banks on the blood test more so, maybe? No, I don't. (laughs) And let me tell you people that are listening. Herpes test is not a routine health screen. Nope. We talked about routine health screens. Herpes was not in there. You can come in and you can say, I've got discharge coming from every orifice available and I could be very concerned that you have an STD. I am still not checking you for herpes. Because every now and then somebody comes to the office and they get their STD screening back and they're like, but what about my herpes? Now, first of all, you've had cold sores pop up twice a year for the past five years. And you're like, what about my herpes? What about your herpes? You see it twice a year. Like, <laughs> it's there. It is a clinical decision. Um, so we don't have to screen you for herpes. And honestly, the blood test, like Dr. Sunshine said, the blood just does tell me, do you have the antibodies floating around? And we know that nine times, well, I guess not nine times out of 10, fine, six times out of 10, you probably have herpes antibodies in your system. So we it's not part of the routine screening. The only time I am going to screen you for it is if you have an active lesion. And I swab it. Or, and I swab That's it. That's it. 
or for some rare cases, like there are some cases for rape cases sometimes, I have to have a complete STD profile and they will make me also add the um, HSV in there, but I have not done that in a long time. And so then I may, you know, pick it up, but um, it always throws somebody off. They're surprised that they didn't get their status on your, on your herpes. So we don't do it. And if we do put it in there, your insurance company may not. Yeah, pay for I, it. I particularly tell patients like when they want a complete screening and they ask me for herpes, I really discourage it because I'm like, I don't see why. Cause most people have it and it's, I tell you, and then what? Exactly. You know, yeah. it, it, doesn't, it doesn't tell you anything. You, it just tells you that right. you've got antibodies and in your system. It's like, well, you know, you could take medication and it can help suppress the viral shedding, but it doesn't necessarily mean you can't pass it on. So now now you have this thing in your head like, oh my gosh, I'm passing. And it's just like, well, you probably were doing it for some time and you didn't know. And like, I mean, most people have it. I kind of... Exactly. If you're not Come having any lesions, I'm really not going to do anything. I'm one of those doctors, like I do something because I do a test because I'm going to do something about it. I'm not going to do anything about it. I don't see what's the purpose of it. And then that's more work for me. And then that's a conversation that's uncomfortable <laughs> and awkward. And then you're upset and I have to try to comfort you. And y'all don't y'all don't notice y'all don't notice about Dr. Chris, but she don't like doing extra work. I don't. <laughs> I really don't. And I'm kind of honest, and I tell my patients that, and I'd be like, "Uh, oh, you don't really need these labs because really, I tell them like that's just extra work for me." Especially in this particular case, I feel you on that, Dr. Chris, because it doesn't it doesn't right. help. It's not going to change any of the medicines that I would give you if you have an outbreak. If you're not actively having an outbreak and your labs come back positive, it doesn't change. Right. I'm going to give you some I'm medicine not. right now. It, it changes. It changes right. absolutely nothing. If you called me and you were having an active outbreak, I believe you. We'll treat you. Um, That's it. But and and then the, also the recommendation is that you can give the Valtrex. If you know that person, like if you're uh, in a, like, I guess a monogamous relationship with someone, you know, that person doesn't have it and you want to try to maybe decrease the chances of passing it on to somebody. So then you can be on it daily, but that that's not a hundred percent. So it's kind of like, thank you for bringing that up, Dr. Chris, because the last thing it's going to touch on is just mm-hmm. treatment. So the treatment for genital herpes, oral herpes, all the herpes is just antivirals. Um, everybody on this podcast has already mentioned it. So the main one we give the most is Valtrex. Um, the generic name of this is Valacyclovir, but most people would just call it Valtrex. A lot of people can also get Acyclovir, as also called um, Zovarax. But for the most part, people really get Valtrex. Long story short, you can either take this episodic, as in, oh my gosh, I feel something coming on, and boom, you take it. And it's most effective if you take it in the first 72 hours. Because most people who have flares, they feel that tingle coming on. Either they feel the tingle in the genital, feel the tingle on their mouth. They're like, oh man, shit, it's coming. Take it in the first 72 hours. That kind of decreases the amount of time that you feel like the pain, the flare, all of that. So you can either take it episodically, or like Chris was saying, you can take it um, every day for suppression. That way it prevents you from having flares and it prevents you or tries to prevent you from passing it on and transmitting it and things like that. So when you talk about it with your doctor, you guys can decide what category you fit in. And some people have flares so often that they're like, doc, I am flaring so often. I want to try to take this daily to just prevent me from having flares. And they don't mind taking a pill a day. So I was like, all right, well, let's try it. And that's that. 
There's also stuff over the counter like Abriva and things like that that you can put on cold sores that basically kind of helps with like it has like a numbing component and it has like, you know, soothing components to it. But across the board, the real treatment is the antivirals. And then if you end up when seeing Dr. Nono and you have one of those severe herpes infections and you get that IV or some form similar to that IV. Like the altered mental status I talked about earlier. So like Dr. Sunshine said, like, you'll, you know, if you have the outbreak, you'll do the swab. But essentially, if you're coming in with the inflammation in your brainstem, we have to take the fluid out of your back to actually diagnose you with herpes. So or herpes encephalitis. So the, the so if someone comes at your back with like a needle. That is the reason why. Um, but that's that's one of the ways that we can get diagnosing um, for that condition while you're in the hospital. Now, the last thing that I will mention that is on here that I need to say is that you guys should know that there's lots of research on this and they're even doing more research on it. If you know, if you know for sure that you have herpes type two, that does increase your risk for HIV. So if you for sure have herpes type two and you happen to come in contact with someone or you're exposed to someone who does have HIV, your risk for HIV is increased because you have herpes type two. And that's partially because of the way herpes type two interacts with some cells of your immune system. And it's also because herpes type two causes ongoing inflammation, which makes you vulnerable because of the you know recurrences that are happening more than herpes type one. So they do increase your risk for HIV, which Dr. Nono has already touched on. And that's all I got for herpes. Well, you kind of touched on if you're pregnant, and you have active lesions, uh, mm-hmm. we, and you want to give a vaginal birth. That's a that's a no no. Um, with active lesions, then yeah. then you're getting the C-section. It's not going down. So that's just what it's going to be. Yep. If we know you have herpes, we probably give we'll give you some antivirals to kind of suppress it, so that maybe you can go vaginally. But if you know you about that, it's about that time you about to pop, and we like, ooh, you got active lesion. Mm-mm. But they do say like if you have it like in the anal region, like not that close to where the baby's gonna come out they can cover it but more than likely they're gonna just do a c-section i'll just leave y'all with this little bit of advice (laughs) herpes is not the time to be bashful about asking people questions about what they got going on um because you cannot give it back once you have it it is yours for life and you are at the mercy of this virus on how often it comes in and out. And yes, like Dr. Sunshine said, you can help with your lifestyle. You can help with getting sleep, eating well, all the stuff. But you're still just at the mercy of a virus that just kind of activates whenever it wants to. And sometimes it can be inconvenient, like pregnancy and childbirth or delivery or first dates or weddings or just I just want to be out here in these streets and, you know, the mask mandate is gone. And, you know, I thought I was doing all right because with this mask on, I was living my best life. But now, boom, the mask is off and everybody's looking at that thing on your mouth. Yeah. If you have been calling something a fever blister or a cold sore this whole time and you're thinking, oh, they're not talking about me. I don't have herpes. Actually, we are. You really do have herpes. Yes, like. That is what it is. So they have been calling it lots of names. It goes by many names, but it is still a herpes virus at baseline. I have seen lots of people come into different clinics, hospitals, different healthcare settings that have been having intercourse with active lesions and their partner has not asked them any questions and they have not volunteered information because I guess people can become desensitized to their own thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, it's a little lesion right here, but it didn't stop tingling, so it's fine. And so people start to rationalize really dumb things about what's safe for you and not. Please investigate, people. Ladies, look. 
men look, ask questions, and we go. And her please ask is questions. The gift that keeps giving. The gift that keeps on giving. So let's get to some questions, y'all. It's questions. the questions. Well, it's the questions. Hey, listen, I haven't been begging y'all about questions lately, and I see that um you've gotten a you know. <laughs> You hear that silence? That's what we're doing. <laughs> so um, please send your questions because we get lots of questions, you know, in the background, but we would love to put them in formal questions and put them on the show. So let me go. Um, one question that we had recently was, I want to know about all things IBS. What is the difference between IBS and IBD? And I'm assuming they mean irritable bowel syndrome versus yeah, inflammatory bowel disease. And I'm assuming this could be so. First of all, listener, thank you for your question. Secondly, this will probably become a show. Third, we'll try to answer your question briefly and give you some real stuff a little bit later. <laughs> so there's a big difference between the two. And if you're talking about inflammatory bowel diseases, these basically encompass two major things, which are Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. Um, the way that we diagnose these two is is well, number one, one of the main things that you typically get with inflammatory bowel disease that you do not get with IBS is blood in your stool. <laughs> that's like the mm-hmm. that's like the biggest different. Like that's like the fork in the road. Do you have bright red blood in your stool or do you not? If you do, and it happens often, and it flares, and it can be linked to certain things, then that raises our eyebrows about like, huh, is this inflammatory bowel disease? Because those things cause. The way that it works, the effect that it has on your bowel, you're going to be bleeding like crazy. IBS is something different. IBS is basically um, irritable bowel syndrome. So a lot of people think of IBS as basically like if you've been having problems, whether it be constipation or diarrhea, and your doctors have really tried to work it up and rule out a lot of different things, um, then we kind of end up in this irritable bowel syndrome, which basically means that either something environmental or something you're eating, something is triggering your bowel to not work in an optimal fashion. And some people have constipation predominant. Some people have diarrhea predominant. But there is something that is occurring that is causing your bowel to be a little off. But that's different from having an inflammatory bowel disease and that blood in your stool. Two different things. Yeah. And even with inflammatory bowel disease, you can also have other manifestations like skin, like problems with your skin. Maybe you have some joint pains, like some fever Mm -hmm. and chills. Because, I mean, it's just your immune system, like, attacking, like, your bowel and decides to attack other places, too. So... (laughs) Um, you have you can tend to have more manifestations uh, that can happen when you have that. So other than coming in for the GI complaints, um, to like definitely Dr. Chris mentioned like the uh, other symptoms that you would get outside of you know your bowels not acting the way they should. Uh, the one way we diagnose this is with a scope a colonoscopy. So they stick the little camera up your booty and they look around for any sorts of signs of inflammation or. Um, Uh, inflammation in your gut, that would be a sign of you possibly having um, uh, IBD. They'll usually take a biopsy of that. We'll send it off for pathology and we'll get the results back. And then that way we can uh, tailor your treatment for um, if you're going to be put on what we call DMAR therapy or steroids. um, Those are things that will probably be up to the discretion of your GI doctor who will ultimately be the one doing the scope. Um, So um, if you do have blood in your stool, talk to somebody because that's not supposed to happen. Dr. Dodo's like on it. Like I cannot tell you how much cancer I've caught 
by somebody just trying to passively say like, oh yeah, I was bleeding with my stool the other day. And I'm like, wait, 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 what? So yes, oh, she's on it. Thanks, Dr. Mm-hmm. So also when you have inflammatory bowel disease, that also increases your risk for getting colorectal cancer. So in addition to the one scope that you'll be getting to diagnose it, you'll also be getting more frequent screening uh, colonoscopies to make sure that whatever they pulled a biopsy of or um, to make sure you don't have any new polyps that are forming in the interim period to make sure that's not developing in the cancer. So just be prepared for that. Mm-hmm. Look at Nono bringing in routine health screenings. What? Yo, I'm feeling at heart. I gotta, I gotta know this stuff. Man, listen, <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. Next question. So, um, man, we keep coming back to these. Okay. Uh, so does frequent masturbation enhance or diminish sexual function with the partner? Would you suggest breaks from sexual activity to increase sensitivity? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Short answer. Yeah. I, so I, I thought know. that I, I thought that they, yeah. I thought that wasn't true. I thought that that is an old wives' tales that um, the more the more you um, use it, the less sensitive it gets. Because I was trying to do some research on like low libido for women. Um, like decreased libido, decreased like clitoral like sensation and stuff like that. And one of the things they talked about was outside of like improving your diet, exercise, good nutrition, they were like trying to stimulate the clitoris to have improved blood flow. You can do that through masturbation. Now I get that this this um, person is talking about penises, but I do not think it's a whole way if you use it too much then it's not going to be any good like that. I it's I think that's all. I, wives, I agree with that. Wives I agree with that because no. like, you know, like if you don't use it, like, especially when you get older, especially for women, like you get atrophy there. Like it does the cells like kind of die and it looks, doesn't look very good. So I, I interpreted that question as like, yeah, I interpret that question as a, a female asking it. But um, I mean, there is research that shows if you use like the, like they have all these, you know, fan dangled, if that's even a word, like the um, clitoral stimulators that you can use directly to provide whatever suction or like direct pressure to the clitoral area. And again, that increases your blood flow to that area. But then I always thought that using that too often, like multiple times a day, that would also be a way to kind of reduce the kind of reduce your threshold for obtain, uh, obtaining like a natural orgasm when you actually go and do like penetrating sex. Well, penetrating sex does not ha- cause uh, clitoral orgasms. So first we got to understand our orgasms, right? So <laughs> penetration does not, is not what triggers most women's orgasms. Most women orgasm right. from clitoral stimulation, yeah. right? So again, it, it's all, it's, you know, we got this folklore mixed in there with, you know, with, People pimping women's bodies. I'm going to get off. I'm not going to get on that soapbox with (laughs) what's real, right? With like what the science is. So, you know, it's this, because we do, we talk about it casually, like, you know, women shouldn't use these toys. We sometimes applaud women. They're like, the only person who stimulates this clitoris is my man. I mean, okay, fine. (laughs) But you could have had a toy too. So I don't know that I've ever read anything that says that, masturbation whether you are a man or a woman is going to decrease like have some permanent sensitivity decrease in your interactions with your partner now if you were talking about from a man's standpoint is he going to give you five sessions in a day 
if he's been if he already masturbated by the time you got there well no he's not but there's always tomorrow um i agree so you know so from that standpoint yeah like if he's been masturbating all day and now you've come and you want to engage in intercourse with him and he is not he may not have the same energy and vigor as he would have if you were the first person he had sex with that day sure but does it mean he's going to change the course of his sexual function yeah now for men but for men there for men there is a refractory time though Mm -hmm. so when men are young when they're younger it's easier for them to achieve a second erection at a closer time frame than their Mm -hmm. first one so then they can have one ejaculate and then if they're young in their 20s maybe like 10 minutes later boom back in action but as men get older it takes them longer to recover and then reach an erection again this is why women are amazing because we don't have that I mean, we got our own changes uh, that go on, uh, but I'm just letting you so know, yeah. you know, it's, it's, but, it, but that's more so, but that's more so age related and that's not like masturbation related. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Yeah. Like that's like the body's natural progression. Not like, oh, I'm 20, I masturbated. So then now we can't have sex anymore for the rest of the day. Like, nah, like that's not how that works. <laughs> well, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of feel like it just, it just makes things better. Like, you know, you use it you know, you're masturbating, you kind of know what you want. And then, you know, you probably will get there. I feel like it's going to help you get there faster than you probably normally would because you know what you want. Now, Dr. Chris, that's that's different because that's learning your body through masturbation and learning what you want. That's not what we're talking about. (laughs) No, Chris. (laughs) You know what? I think we're done. Amy Amy Joe, save us from ourselves, please. Save us. All right, you guys. uh, My bad. I'm sorry. Thank you. I'm sorry. Wasn't drinking enough water, guys. Thank you for your questions. People have been people have been (laughs) asking us for a sex episode, and I'm like, what do you want us to even talk about? I know we talk about every available. I'm like, we talk about all your sexual orgasms, your secretions. I know. I'm like, are we getting stroke episodes for penises? We had two, we a two-parter and the WAP episode. Like, what more y'all want? Like, my God. Listen, ain't nothing else down there, y'all. I hate to be the one to tell <laughs> you this, said but... said that we talked about them individually, but we haven't had just a sex episode to talk about sex. I was like, we are doctors, so if we're going to oh. medically talk about sex, we've already touched that already. They want, I'm like, like unless movie you movie. guys are trying to... Yeah. They're trying to get in our business. They, they don't want, like, anatomical type stuff. They're trying to get in our business. <laughs> I, that's what they're trying they to they're do. They're trying to get in our And business. I don't, you know, I, I'm paranoid, so... You, you know what you know. Dr. Chris said, Dr. Chris said, you can't get in our business. <laughs> I'm joking, y'all. I'm probably telling myself, y'all, it's okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, no. Can you please tell these people where they could contact us I'll about questions that are hopefully not sex-related? Right, fine. But it's okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what? Chris? Oh All right. So, Don't um, pay me no mind. <laughs> so be sure to follow us oh, at the chocolate mds on our instagram facebook or twitter um also check us out on our website at www.thechocolatemds.com please be sure to send us your questions either via our gmail which is the chocolate mds at gmail.com or use the little handy dandy function that we got on our website to submit our questions to us directly and also just you know, get up in our DMs, send us the questions there, and we'll be sure to address them on our next show. Now, you know what? Two two out of four, two out of four of the Chocolate MDs are single. So, I mean, if we want to do a Chocolate MDs after dark, I mean, maybe those two out of the four would be down. But I ain't going to tell y'all which two is the two out of the four, but... <laughs>
Yo, okay, y'all request an after dark episode of enough of y'all request it, we will do it. So incentive one out of the four. That's one out of the four. You don't know about the other one that wants to do it. We'll we'll talk mm-hmm. later. See? <laughs> Listen, y'all. This is what happens when we go away for too long. We get back together and chaos, you know, occurs. Uh, no, no, the main one. Thank y'all for listening. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway. <laughs>